0: excited to be speaking with one of my uh, personally favorite composers, uh, Steve Jablonsky is one of the biggest names in his field and his fantastic style has helped define the action genre over the years. His work is not only exciting but emotionally moving and working on many different levels. His versatility can be heard in scores like Steam Boy, the 2003 release of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Your Highness and Desperate Housewives. He is also known for his continued collaboration with director Michael Bay, composing every single one of his films since The Island, and even working as an additional composer on his films before that. Uh, His most recent score is to Ender's Game, which is a fantastic and immersive score. I really loved it, and uh, thank you so much for chatting today, Steve.
1: Sure. Wow, after that introduction, I don't... (laughs) thank you.
0: (laughs) So, to start, I would... uh, Love to know, what got you interested in music? Why did you pursue it, and kind of what led to composing?
1: Uh, let's see it. I can trace that all the way back to my youth. Uh, I, I grew up in L.A., and I don't know if that's part of why I was such a film fan, but mm-hmm. I was a big fan of film. And a, a lot of my friends were a fan of films, uh, but I, I was, in addition to that, also a fan of film scores. And, like, I remember getting when I was a kid the double album for Star Wars, and I was so excited to have that. And so it started, like, I guess a lot of composers my age, started back then with guys like John Williams. And and then, you know, he, he opened the door to other people that I discovered and loved. But it, it, I didn't know at that age, or really until I started at... Uh, Started working at Hans's place, but I didn't really know I wanted to be a film composer. To be honest, it was kind of a fun hobby. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I love scores, but I went to school to college for computer engineering initially. Was oh. my degree, and it was a year into it, I was really just not into it anymore. I knew it wasn't for me. You know, I had friends. Uh, who were also computer engineer majors, and who they loved what they were doing, and I just they they helped me realize that I I couldn't do this for a living. So I was, uh, but I, I I should mention also that I played clarinet and a little bit of piano through my youth. So I I had already taken some music classes in college. So I switched to a music major, not really knowing what that was going to get me. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't intend certainly to do film scoring because at the college I went to UC Berkeley up in uh-huh. Northern California, I, they certainly didn't have any film scoring programs or anything like that. It was just music theory. So I graduated from that, came back to L.A. Uh, thinking maybe I would do recording engineering because I had some gear at home. I messed around. I had a little keyboard and a tape deck and things like that. And because I was such a fan of Hans for uh, you know, many years, He's, I discovered him in high school or uh-huh. whenever it was, and I was a fan for so long. I, I, I knew his studio was somewhere in L.A., so I looked it up and called to see if they needed help of any kind, you know, intern help, and they said, uh, yeah, come on over. So I went over and, again, still didn't think I'm going to be a film composer. I just went there wanting to s- see what goes on there. and. right. get a a glimpse of Hans and just be a part of it and it was good timing because it was around that time that Harry Gregson Williams had come over from the UK to work there as well and he needed an assistant and so I, I was there at the right time and got hired as his assistant and started doing mostly technical stuff but after Know Harry, and he would let me use his studio just to play around while he was not there. So he, he realized I was interested in writing, even though it was still just a hobby. And but just I was just doing it for fun. So I, I had done that for for years. I would just mess around on the keyboard, try to figure out, uh, you know, the theme to Indiana Jones, and try to figure out the orchestration, just for fun. But Harry, when he realized I was <clears throat> I was interested in writing, I, he started giving me scenes here and there to look at on films that he was doing and you know that that kind of just snowballed until i was writing a lot of stuff for for him you know he gave me those great opportunities and then hans took notice and i kind of moved over and got a got a room for my, of my own and started writing cues for hans and it was just that's all sort of a blur that time I just, it kind of it was a great experience to watch those guys, you know, working, and they, they would critique my my work, and I would learn so much from, from first Harry and then Hans, and it, it just, it just kind of happened, I mean, I wasn't, I still wasn't specifically thinking, God, I want to be Harry someday, or Hans, uh-huh. it was just, I was having such a great time, and so thankful to be at this great place with these guys, these legendary guys, that you know, whatever they wanted, I would do, <clears throat> and it turned into me getting getting my own films, and you know, it was it just sort of happened. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's it, was, it was a very it was a very cool thing for me because it just sort of organically happened. Right. I was never trying to do this or that, and it just sort of happened, which is nice.
0: I mean, that that's a pretty cool story, just uh, and that's. Yeah. A lot of people I talked to, like uh, I just talked to Dominic Lewis, and he kind of said that oh. kind of same thing. And he, oh yeah, working through with John Powell and just yep. being at remote yep. Control and just kind of being immersed. It's it's the best university in the world. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, no, he's totally right. He's a great guy. He's totally right. It's like you can study all you want at college, but going to a place like that, and maybe working for other composers as well. I'm mm. sure you 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 get to see guys like, you know, whoever Jerry Bruckheimer come in. You see how they of these meetings and you know you're not you're not in the hot seat because you're just helping at that point but you get to watch and see how to deal with these guys and what the politics and the, just all the stuff that's not it's not just about writing the music it's about dealing with you know all of these different producers and directors and right. schedules and so i i really learned that side of it too that's the stuff you It's hard to teach and without without seeing it firsthand absolutely
0: and uh, your sound and style has become so identifiable, and you're, really, you're an amazing auteur, uh, one of my favorites. And uh, as a composer with such a strong voice, what are your main inspirations you know, when taking on a project? What's, what specifically about a film you know, or a TV series or a video game kind of gets your creativity flowing the most?
1: Well, there's two things I generally look to for that, and that is, the first is whoever the, creative, the main creative voice is behind the project and often there are a few. Like mm-hmm. on on something like Transformers, it's obvious it's Michael Bay, right? And it, it's always going to be the director. Um, but you know, on other things, it might be a producer or, or like the video game, like Gears of War. There was uh, Mike Larson was the audio director, and Cliff Blazinski, who everybody knows, who ran that company. Those two guys were kind of the guys I I would you know bounce ideas off of. So whoever. Whatever the creative people are on a ver- whatever project I discuss ideas and everything from that. get there because it's their project and they I want to make sure they're happy and they, they convey the emotions or whatever it is they want to convey I want to make sure i I help that right right and the second thing is when I actually start writing, I really take all of my inspiration from on a film for example i whatever cut they have if it's it's usually a very rough cut but uh i'll I'll ask can i can i have that and or anything even if it's just scenes i i really like to sit and watch scenes or if i have the whole film i'll watch it once play around at the keyboard watch it again the next day i try to get as immersed into a film as i can and study the actor's the, the, the intensity, the level they have, uh, the, the pace that they speak at, and I, I like to not step on these performers and not not overstep my bounds. So I, I generally like to let the picture tell me what what I should be doing, rather than I just write something and stick it on the scene, and hopefully it fits. Right,
0: I, right.
1: I'm trying, you know, like like on Ender's Game, for example, you have these amazing performances from uh, from Asa, who plays Ender, and, right. and Harrison Ford, and all these kids, they're so great, so that I really just watch the scene and I can feel pretty quickly what I think the beats are and the, the various, the shape of the scene and the emotion where it needs to change. It's pretty clear to me usually when I'm watching a scene, and if it's not, I'll, I'll call the director and say, look, I'm not sure exactly emotionally what we should be doing with this scene, but
0: right.
1: for the most part, I can pick up on that uh, pretty quickly. And and then I'll just start messing with the sounds and, and until something fits for me, I'll have the picture running in the background, even though if I'm not writing specifically, if I'm not scoring that scene specifically yet, I'd like to have it running in the background just so I can always look up and see if something feels right against the picture and if it feels to this or to that, I'll scrap it and try something else.
0: And, mm-hmm. And, it's uh, just
1: sort of a process.
0: <laughs> and for Ender's Game, it's uh, it, it. I loved it because it, it felt. I mean, it felt like you, but it kind of felt like a new, different experience. And uh, and so, how, working with such an amazingly detailed kind of science fiction world that you know the story exists, and how do you go about creating the sound for this film? Like, was it easy to pinpoint it, or did it take a lot of kind of trial and error to find the right sound for that story?
1: Uh,
0: it actually wasn't
1: too difficult, and I, part of that is because we didn't have a lot of time for some reason the schedule. <laughs> we didn't have to. but I went in to the film not actually knowing the book. I'm one of the few people who hasn't, had not read the book. Right. I actually am glad I hadn't read the book, because I sat down at that screening when they said, you, you know, we're interested in you doing this film. I sat down and watched it having no idea what it was going to be. I thought it was just a, a, going to be a sci-fi movie with ships and things blowing up or whatever, and and then I realized it's actually more of a drama, in my opinion, more of a drama wrapped up in the package of a sci-fi movie. And it was way more thoughtful and detailed and than I expected. And like the entire last reel of the film, usually the films I do, the entire last reel is usually a one long action scene. But in this case, it's it's really not. It's a very personal scene with this boy just finally figuring out what what all these visions and all these things that have been happening happening to him throughout the film it all comes together and it's there's no action at all and and so i when i saw that i got really excited and because i i do as much as i love doing all these action movies i do love you know some some, a bit slightly more complicated storylines and yeah, you know, just the fact that he's meant to be 11 or 12 in the film—it's—it's it's different than
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Scoring, you know, scoring these big army guys running around with guns or whatever—it's. So I thought it could be a more personal score, a little bit. I know that there's there are still some big moments in the movie, and we had to score those big. But I—I I start, actually started just with a solo cello, messing around with uh, ideas around that sound, and it became quite a big thing in the score we use it quite a bit because it plays to ender's kind of isolation and he's a very lonely isolated guy for mm-hmm. a boy through much of the film and it seemed to fit that quite well
0: and i, I noticed there was a a lot of uh, long kind of tracks on the album here that kind of really lent for those big dramatic right. builds and you know way different than say something like pain and gain which were the cues right. were kind of a bit shorter and uh, yeah so, so, so would you say the goal of the music, uh, working with Gavin Hood and everything, Like, what, did you, what was the goal musically? Was it was to build those kind of big dramatic arcs?
1: Right. The, how I start writing is usually I'll write pieces of music away from picture. Uh-huh. I'll be thinking about picture, but I'll be writing it not specifically to pictures. And those, those pieces you're talking about, some of them are, were written that way, but I had the scenes in mind and a lot of scenes in this movie have that shape. And that actually, when I was hired, the film editor said to me, uh, "You're going to have fun with this because there are a lot of music moments where you can kind of build for a couple minutes, and then it pays off." And and I said, "Great, you know, that's, I like to hear that." So so that's that was the shape of some of the big bigger scenes in this was definitely you know you, you like some of the battles you start tense and he just builds and builds and like the dragon army battle and they win and or the scene when when he uh when he's spinning I don't know if you've seen the film but there's a scene when he does this really cool zero gravity spinning thing where he's got two guns in his hand like an old school John Woo movie or something uh-huh,
0: and he's shooting yeah.
1: <laughs> and there's a, there's a big build up to that and there's just a few scenes like that 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 uh the the scenes were cut that way so we so we scored the, the music that way which is always fun for me it's it's a fun sort of style to write in
0: oh yeah i loved i mean i love the score the whole just the whole flow of it and everything was uh oh, it re- really immersed immersed me listening to it i really loved oh, it price. thanks and much. um i mentioned pain and gain and i know it got right. ha- hammered by critics but uh right. i wanted to tell you just how much i Enjoyed that film in the score and uh, the tone you uh, approached it with was so perfect and they you know they really misadvertised it i guess it was very difficult to advertise a film like that
1: yeah i I wouldn't have a first clue how to advertise that
0: one yeah because i guess enjoy might not be the right word either because it's a very disturbing tale but the experience and the tone was spot on and i think a lot of people it was maybe too brash for a lot of people but i yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i just wanted to say how much I uh, I really loved it.
1: It was one of my things. Oh, thanks. Uh, we had fun. And we knew, I mean, I knew how really just harsh and dark it was. And Michael just went for it. And he, you know, a lot of the, I, I read a couple of reviews that said, we just don't like any of these people. And for us to like a movie, we have to like at least one person or
0: something.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, And I get that. Like everyone, even, you know. Tony Shalhoub's character, who's the victim, you, yeah. you, just, you just really don't like that guy. No at all. Such, and nobody in the movie, you're supposed to kind of feel for Daniel Lugo, but at the same time, he's just such an idiot, and you can't... So I, I understand that, but as a film, I've heard what you just said from several people, where they're like, actually, I didn't enjoy that. Yeah, it was pretty pretty disturbing, but it, it wasn't bad. So I think, yeah, you're right, it was marketed weird, and nobody yeah, knew yeah. what what the hell it was. <laughs>
0: But, um, and you know, speaking of Michael Bay, you and Michael have had one of the most notable director-composer team-ups, you know, in the industry, and you've been working with him for many, many years. What's it like to have that kind of ongoing relationship with a director? How has that relationship kind of evolved from the beginning to now? Do you guys have a different way of working now than you did before, or is it kind of the same shorthand and process?
1: Yeah, I well, first of all, I feel very lucky to have... Something like that with a guy like Michael, who's, you know, so such a mega director. You know, I people ask me what's it like to be his guy, and I'm like, you know what, I don't even question it. It's such a weird <laughs> thing that because I, you know, I know who Michael Bay is before I was even composing, and right, I, and just to think back then, like, if somebody told me you'd be doing his all of his movies, and I mean, yeah, whatever, so I never it's going to happen, but so. <laughs> It's still odd to me when I think about it. He, you know, but having said that, it's, it's it's a great relationship. I'm I'm thankful to him, you know. As every time I see him, I I really feel appreciative of what what he's done for me and the loyalty he's shown me, and the, you know, he gives me this big giant stage to perform my music because we know that, bro, well, most of his films anyway, many millions of people are going to watch it all over the world. So he's, he's giving me this opportunity to reach out to all of these people in every different country on, on the planet. And I, I think our working relationship is probably just, if anything, it's gotten a little simpler. Like he, he kind of trusts, uh, what I'm doing, you know, early on, I, you know, was, he might have come to my studio a bit more often, uh-huh. uh, uh, but now I, a lot of times I'll write like for Pain and Gain I wrote a bunch of stuff and just kind of sent it to him and I think he might have been in Miami at the time and he just listened on his on his in his cutting room that he has in his in his Miami home and uh, you know I would get notes that way so it's it's gotten a little bit uh, I don't know what the word is a little bit uh, simpler maybe and then so, but the transformers movies are always crazy cuz there's just so much oh, yeah. going on but <laughs> and and he's he has his hands in every aspect of his movies so something like transformers they're so complicated there's so much CGI and he's flying up to to ILM you know a couple times a week to go check the 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 CGI work to check the robots and whatever and just to make sure it's what he wants. And he does that with the sound designers, he does that with me and every aspect of this movie he's doing that. So I kinda just grab him whenever I can, whenever he's in town <laughs> or whenever he's whenever he has a minute. I try to schedule with his office, say, look if he's you know, can he come over for an hour? Okay, he can't, but how about I go over to his place? I'll bring some music and so I really just try to accommodate his insane schedule.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And,
1: and he's, uh, you know, he's great. He he makes time, and if he can't, like I said, if he's somewhere off, in, in, in it's off in Miami because he does live there part of the year, he, I, I would just send him music and listen there. And and I think as far as trading comments back and forth, we do have a shorthand. Like if he if he says something's cool, then. I know that's good. That's a good thing. He really likes it. (laughs) He never goes, that is amazing. He never, he's just like, yeah, that's cool. Or uh, sometimes he'll say, you know, I think it's good. I just, and I understand this. He he won't know initially the first time I play him something, Uh if he likes it. And he'll say, you know what? I have to live with this for a while. And, you know, sometimes it goes the good way. He'll go, yeah, you know, I'm really liking this. Or I'll hear, you know, he doesn't like that anymore. So, We'll just take it out, and so it's it's sort of just a natural process we have. Where he, I'll I'll play him stuff any way I can. Hopefully, it's in person and he's sitting in my studio. But but really, it's just whatever, whatever he, whatever to anything to accommodate his <laughs> his insanity and his crazy life. <laughs>
0: but so you're on you're working on Transformers uh, four right now, the fourth film. Uh, where does the score evolves, you know, you know, what direction are you pushing this immense world? It's been three films, three different scores. So where, how do you want to change or push the music?
1: Well, you know, I'll have to hold off answering that until I actually see it. I haven't seen it. And Michael is, he's very protective of showing things to people before he's ready. Uh And that's, that's not even a security thing, although we are very secure with the footage, but he's, he's, I totally get this, like if I'm writing a piece and I don't quite think it's ready i'm I'm not going to go playing it to everyone that that wants to hear it. I want it to be I want to be comfortable with it before right I play it, so he's the same. He wants to be comfortable with things before before they're shown to anybody, including me so i I haven't seen anything i I do because it's such a new it's a new thing, it's a new cast and everything. it's a real different. Approach. I do think we're going to try, I hope, my plan is to try something quite different. I don't know what that would be. It's just, right now, it's just the word different, you know, I'll try okay. something different. But I, I hope when he shows me something that I'll, I'll, you know, the ideas will come quickly and I can go experiment and, and play it to him and see if he likes you know, if he likes what I'm doing. But I usually, on. A, I think every film we've done, he, he, I don't speak to him at all while he's shooting because it's just such an intense process and then as soon as he's done shooting he'll call me in and he usually has three or four scenes compiled, like three or four big scenes that are important to him and he's so he starts with those and he'll show me those scenes and I won't necessarily score them yet but it's just to give me a feel and a vibe of what he's what he's doing this time and we'll talk and He usually has great ideas. Like the pain and gain approach was all him. You know, he said, I want this to be all electronic, no orchestra.
0: Right, right.
1: And, uh, you know, that opening scene, the score that way, it was totally his idea. He wanted it dreamy and kind of off and weird, and he gave me all these great adjectives to to work with. So it's, I expect he'll do the same for Transformers 4. He's very, he'll he'll tell you, I don't don't know anything about music, that's what he says, but (laughs) he knows he knows you know what he likes and what he feels, and he's great at giving direction like that and i I've worked with him so many times I know what he means if he says you know something kind of abstract, I usually know what he's trying to get at, and hopefully I can interpret that into music so i'll I'll do that again this time and see how it goes.
0: Oh, I can't wait, you know it's uh, your the transformer scores they've been so. I mean, they're huge they're, everyone knows the themes they're, you know they're playing in the theme parks and on the rides and everything so they've really kind of grown and had this big life outside of the movie so it's really awesome um, oh great thanks uh, since but talking just of action kind of just uh, in general you've scored so many explosions and car chases and, and gunshots and and mm-hmm. you know people dying and all this stuff so in, in your yeah. in your opinion you know as kind of this master of that of that genre what is a action score what does it score need? To be a successful companion to an action film.
1: Did you say what what does an action score need? Yeah, like, what is it? Okay, right. What is,
0: what makes a good action score?
1: Right. Well, on an action film, I, one of the things I always like to do is to meet with the sound designers, and I'm fortunate enough to have a great relationship with the with Michael Bay's sound guys because I've known them for so long. Right. Right. And if you can establish a relationship early on, and while you're writing music, I like to send them cues so they can hear what I'm doing, and I like them to send me the sound effects they're doing, so that I can hear what they're doing. And you know, if if we're in the same you know frequency range, and like, okay, maybe I should back off that range, or they'll back off that range. it's in an action film. There's so much sound. Like if we just, if both of us, them and me, if we just throw everything at this movie, it's going to be a mess when we get to the end and try to mix it all together. So, and sometimes that happens anyway, just you know, <laughs> it, because there's just it's gonna there's going to be too much sound eventually. Yeah, yeah. Something, Something's going to have to give. But, but I really like working with these guys um, because they. And they're they're musical as well. They will sometimes they will time their effects. Like I, the one thing I always tell people is that the Transformers, I think it was part three. They timed the helicopter blades. You know they 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 made them in time with my cue. And, and they they didn't tell me that. I just saw that one day and I said, is that is that a coincidence? And I called them. I said, did you guys do that? And they said, yeah, we we did that. So they just subtle things like that really help it become one kind of cohesive thing Uh, so that for an action movie I think just making it not like uh, just a full on kind of ear busting experience for the audience we're very conscious of that and you know I know what I'm telling you is more of a sort of a technical side of it but that's always what I think of when people ask me how do you approach action movies I said, well it's you really do need to pay attention to what the sound guys are doing because it could just be a mess. You want people to hear the music and you want people to hear the sound effects, but the only way to do that is to work together. And, you know, if they're taking up all the low end, maybe I'll do something in the high end. and, And there's some scenes where you just, we decide at the final mix, okay, sound effects are going to take over here. So we duck the music and push the sound effects and then the music can push... Can be pushed here, and we'll duck the sound effects there. So it's just kind of endless a dance between the, the two of them, because generally it's wall-to-wall music and it's wall-to-wall sound effects. So that's that's the biggest challenge. But, uh, but musically, I think theme-wise, and I, I approach every film the same. I just write themes that are inspired by the movie, and so I don't I don't really have any any special. In in that, in that respect, I don't have any special approaches to action movies. I just watch them and, you know, hopefully come up with some cool ideas and themes, and then start applying them to the scenes.
0: Which uh, which you do, and I mean, it makes a lot of sense the the working with the editing and everything because that's when those moments happen where you know the music will drop down and then a huge like uh, sound effect, like a bass drop, will happen. And <laughs> and it, <laughs> and it, and that, yeah. That gets, you know the.
1: The chill yeah. you know
0: the hairs on the back of your yeah like,
1: stand up. <laughs> and that Michael loves that stuff. I gotta tell you, he's he's really into those moments. So that's it's cool to, have to work with him on those because we we try to do those whenever we can. And he, if he says I'm feeling that, then you know it's good. If he, yeah. if he says I'm not feeling it, then you go okay, I mean, it's not quite there yet, and I keep keep working on it. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, he's a great because I mean I'm not a musician, but uh, when I first fell in love with films, it was actually. I was about 9 years old when the rock came out and oh, that's and that's the score that hooked me. You know, Nick oh, Smith, nice. Hans Zimmer, Harry Gregson-Williams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the one, you know. So the action editing with the score is what, what, yeah. what wrote me. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, no, they did a, it. It's great. That's a great film and they did a great job with using the score uh, weaving it in throughout the action and the sounds and the the story. Yeah, that's one of my favorites as well. That's right when I started it. At, at Hans's studio, they were doing that, so I got to see a little bit of that happen, but it was very exciting.
0: That's cool. Well, yeah. to, to wrap up, I always like to, to ask composers this one question. If you could score any film ever made with no disrespect to the original composer or the score itself, which film would you choose?
1: Oh, my goodness. Let me see. I'm thinking right now, in my head, just rapid fire, all of my favorite films are coming into my mind, but they're also all of my favorite scores, so I would never want to <laughs> replace. Like, The Untouchables is one of my favorite films, but that's one of the greatest scores ever written, so I would never even think of doing that. Um, let me see.
0: Well, not to replace it, just what would you love to, like, you know, the ground you'd love to play in, that kind of thing.
1: What would I love to... Yeah, like You're which playing?
0: which film that you really love that you would have loved to have you know not to replace the score but just have the the chance to to score something like that.
1: Oh, okay. Well, well, in that case, uh, yeah, a film like *The Untouchables*, I I think is such a great canvas for a composer, any composer, and Morricone. I mean, knocked that about as far out of the park as you can do. Absolutely, yeah. Because it's such a stylized and it's so uniquely shot and I don't know the script and everything about it is kind of like perfect. Um, and I, and I, it's funny, I'm thinking back to these old horror films only because I, <laughs> I, I recently saw this band Goblin play live in LA. It's a, and they, they scored a lot of 70s, 70s horror films that I was into. I watched a lot of weird stuff when I was young, but, <laughs> and that, but there's those films also at the, the Dario Argento film. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, your horror fans will know about that. But Absolutely. They're so stylized and like striking visually that I think those would be very uh, like really cool to be inspired by that. And I I think that's why I have so much fun with Michael because visually he's he's like the master. Yeah, you know, I know he he catches some heat for some storylines occasionally, but I don't think anyone does visuals better than him. I, I remember watching the Transformers, the first one, for the first time. And there was the scene when Sam is being chased by these dogs. And I was like, oh, my God, I was so riveted. And he just showed, it was a scene he just showed me. You know, I hadn't even seen the whole movie yet. But, and I looked at him like, damn, you know, this is really... You had me. This is I don't even know what's going on, but Sam, just the way he cuts and the... the He's he's the master of that, and I, you can't really take your eyes away from it. And I think that's why so many people go. But so I, maybe that's why I, I'm drawn to his films. He's visually so striking, and it's anything like that that's so sort of grabs you. It's good for a composer because it really it really inspires you to to try to do something cool and unique. And uh, so I. I I guess, that's a weird combination. I said Untouchables and Dario Argento <laughs> movies, but that's no, the first two things that came to mind.
0: <laughs> that's a great answer. Oh, good. But uh, um, Steve, I just also want to mention, you're, you're also reteaming with uh, Peter Berg for Loon Survivor. That's going to be yeah. another adventure with you. Is that, is that going to be more of a action-based film or more drama-based?
1: Well, I, I've actually finished that, and he um, that... I worked on with a band called Explosions in the Sky. Oh,
0: okay, it, yeah. He loves that. He loves oh, that yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His original idea for that film was was to use them exclusively for the score, and that and I said that's you know that's a great idea. I was a little bummed out because it it's based I don't know if you know the story, but it's based on a book uh, written by a Navy SEAL. It's a, based on a real life Navy SEAL mission that went really bad, and there was only lone, one lone survivor, hence the title. But, right. Right. And it's so it's it's a bit more serious than stuff I've done. And I was like, oh, man, I really would love to have been a part of that. But so Explosions did, they were working on it. And then I got a call at some point that Pete actually did want me to come in and look at some scenes. So the, the majority of it, maybe 60% or so of it, is them. And then I came in and did the 40% remaining. Like I did the whole, the full final reel with the big rescue, which was great fun. But I... It, it's we definitely tried not to approach it like an action movie, and we found ourselves backing off quite a bit. Just we weren't sure how far to push it because it's it's real guys, and the, right. the, the, the characters existed, and you know these guys were trying to be respectful and not turn it into Hollywood. You know these guys are cool, and I mean they are cool, but we don't want to forget that yeah. these guys actually did die and so that that was slightly challenging but i think that's that was a good call on pete to bring in explosions because it's so different than than the way you would normally score a war movie you know there are there are obviously big shootouts and things that would be considered action but we tried to score them slightly differently than you know not there there are no Horns there is very little uh, actually there are there is no orchestra i didn't record any orchestra for this it's all uh, I played some guitars and did uh, I had my brother come in we, we did some drums and we really tried to keep it sort of a little bit grittier and uh a bit more real, not quite so
0: huh.
1: so big and Hollywood so it's definitely way different than anything i've done and that sounds exciting. Sure yeah, are. that
0: sounds great. I can't wait to hear that.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, it was it was fun. I hope uh, people. I think it's coming out soon. I think they want to push it for like uh, the award season uh-huh. because it's, it's that kind of movie. Right, right. I think. But but it was uh, quite a good experience, and I'm glad Pete did call me and say, you know, I do want you to work on this after all. <laughs> so it was it was nice. I got to speak to the guys from the band, and we talked a little bit about the sounds, you know, and I I tried not to go completely off of what they were doing, so it wouldn't sound like two different scores. Right, so we, right. Ho- hopefully we have kind of a nice blend of, of of us, of all of us. You know, we'll see.
0: But... <laughs> well, uh, Steve, thank you so much uh, for your time today. This has been sure. amazing. It's, you know, your music has been such a big part of my life and my love for film, wow. so it's a great honor and a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Oh, no, thank you. It's always a pleasure to speak to someone like yourself, who I, I, I just hit my cave I call it my studio for so many hours just by myself doing this stuff so to talk to guys like you who actually are listening and you enjoying it it means a lot to me so thank you